Hello, I'm Luxie. I connect businesses with freelance tech solutions and I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Daniel, Christina, Marco and Carl to discuss how to build effective teams. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our round away with some introductions. Carl. Hi, my name is Carl Samuelson. I'm the CEO of Bumble Labs. Uh, Bumble Labs is um, yeah, not really a tech startup anymore. It's more a scale-up, I would say. But uh, we work with um, football analytics based on Wi-Fi and mobile phones and work mainly with retail, smart cities, uh, transport hubs, etc. Amazing. But- and Tina? Hello, my name is Christina. Um, I'm, I, people call me Tina, as you mentioned. Um, I'm a product manager, been a product, been in product manager for about three years now, um, but I've been in software industry for about 20 years. I think that's, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Perfect. And Daniel? Yes, so my da- name is Daniel Lesman. I work as the IT development manager at B24. Uh, we build an open commerce platform, kind of like an operating system for doing retail business, regardless if you are a supplier or a, or a buyer or a seller, whatever it might be. And finally, Marco. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Marco Casale, and I'm heading up uh, Group Digital Engineering at Electrolux. So basically, they're part of the organization that takes care of all the development related to connected appliances, including uh, firmware, uh, cloud, and also mobile apps. And we are today in uh, in a sort of scale-up phase. So we are about 100 people trying to reach more than 200 by the end of the year. So at the end, we should be about 20-25 teams, uh, highly performing and effective. Amazing. Well, thank you for that all. Now that we have established a background of each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question or statement on building effective teams. I'll work around the team and ask each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Let's start with Marco. Yes, so you know, one of the key questions that, in my opinion, you should ask yourself before building a team is what is what is what do you mean with an effective team and uh, what is the purpose and what, how do you measure success? And the, the rationale of that is that depending on what you want to achieve, you may take uh, make different decisions as how you build the teams in terms of uh, competence, in terms of purpose and, and also in terms of structures. So, for instance, you may have a team that uh, uh, has a short-term mission, like uh, trying to fix a uh, uh, a burning problem, like a task force, or you may build a team that is supposed supposed to build software products over and over over time. And those teams are, of course, then supposed to stay there for. So that's uh, my short intro. Amazing. And do we have any questions around this? Daniel? Yeah, but I think it's very clever to start the topic with that because once we start discussing how to build effective teams, we have to agree on the premise of what we mean. 
and uh, I'll propose um, one uh, one answer, and that is that what we're trying to build are teams that can change and adapt to the circumstances, uh, and teams who can do that autonomously in their decision making while still adhering to principles such as architecture and compliance while doing so. So an effective team will be one that can change with the nature of the work is happening. Um, I think that's one of the better definitions in my mind. What, uh, what do you think, Carl? Well, but I, I agree, and I, I think it's uh, interesting. To, it probably sets this sort of, you know, basic foundation of, you know, what is, you, you have to establish a goal. What is the team supposed to achieve? Uh, otherwise, it's uh, it's quite pointless, and that's probably a good start. Sort of doing that homework before you even sort of start uh, recruiting people. But but I think it's um, uh, it's of course an, an interesting question. Say you know what is effectiveness, and I, and I think even more sort of in these uh, times, I think we're changing from a, a sort of work society in one sense, uh, where you in the old days you were required to sort of put in the hours, and and that would was what count, counted in one sense, but now it's more about the outcome of um, uh, what you actually achieve. And I, th I think that's uh, something everyone needs to adapt to. So it's, um, it's definitely an interesting, um, interesting question. Marco? Yeah, I think what, what you just mentioned about outcome is actually quite interesting. You know, I recently read a book about the fact that it is, it is a major shift in the way uh, many companies are actually uh, major shift that many companies are actually going through that what but really matters is the outcome and this is what you measure but then you know follow up question about this is that okay you, you define what is the purpose of the team and and then the next question is well how do you measure it so when can you actually say you have reached that goal or not and uh, Christina has uh, also something to say Do you have done. anything else yeah. to say? Yeah. Yeah, I can. I can jump in there. I agree that. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, measuring um, because if you don't measure something, then how are you supposed to know if you succeeded or not? And a measurement could be just shaking the hand of a of a happy customer, for example. But it might not even be that. Customer satisfaction might not even be the metric that's the best one. Um, Customer value doesn't have to align with customer happiness, but it depends on how we sell our product, of course. So I, I, I love the question. I honestly don't have a good answer, except that try to define what 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 a measurement will make your company successful. What are you trying to sell and how? Find a, find a measurement for that or a proxy metric to it. Um, Measure that and use that to define if your teams are successful or not. I can't follow up on that because I think it's quite sort of interesting or a good way to, to do it is probably to sort of set the, sort of both a collective target but also individual target so you don't get the, the classic sort of preloader uh, just tagging along but uh, that everyone teams sort of make sure that 
they're involved and that they're pulling the weight and, and that there is a common goal, but also so in individual goals uh, or KPIs that should be should be measured. Amazing. So just moving on, um, Daniel, your question. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> uh, this is a more of an individual question for each one of you, how how, we, how you have changed your thinking. And the question uh, reads as follows. Uh, if we were working in a certain way, different to now, um, before the pandemic, and we all had to change quite drastically during the pandemic, then what is happening post-pandemic and has this changed the way you think about building and maintaining effective teams? Um, and I think I would like to hear your thoughts first, um, if you don't mind. Carl, you, you uh, have your hand up there. Uh, no, but, but, uh, but I have a very similar question. So I think this sort of folds into to one question more or less. Because I think it has changed a lot. And, and of course, for some people, some people are very efficient to work from home and, and some people not. But I think from a sort of, we have looked more, we have grown quite rapidly during the pandemic, actually. And that, that was, first of all, I mean, just interviewing and hiring people without actually meeting that was new. <laughs> new thing but but also to uh, i think the most difficult part uh, has been to see that it's it has been quite efficient sort of within departments for example development department or sales departments to work remotely and and to connect the difficult thing has been to sort of interconnect between the departments to get that normal sort of flow of information that to get to an office environment um and to be honest, I'm I'm not a big fan of working from home, and I, I've been trying to be in the office uh, as much as possible during the pandemic because I think it's you know you get energy from from other people as well, and it's um, uh, but I think for certain people, and especially sort of maybe on the development side, then then it's easier to work from home and to collaborate sort of efficiently without seeing each other every day. But I think uh, there the, there is a sort of lack of uh interaction uh, which is difficult to bridge even if you use uh, slack or uh zoom or whatever to to get that going so so i think um uh, some sort of uh, i don't have a sort of clear answer to this but but i think it's uh, uh I, i'm not sure this is a good thing that uh, you know people have gotten to used to working from them. and I, I would uh, I, I think it's an idea because a lot of people are just happy with it, but I think it's a good idea to sort of maybe scale that back a bit and, and try to sort of uh, get back into um, to the office environment again. Marco. Yeah, I think it's actually quite interesting question because if I look a little bit, my personal experience in the last two and a half years, so when I I joined Electrolux in October 2019. Um, I was managing a distributed team and I was traveling a lot, probably too much. And and everyone in you know around me was traveling a lot. And then we were hit by the pandemic and this suddenly stopped. So there was of course this initial fear that we were not able to be as efficient as we thought we were in the beginning. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the first first thing that we did is we just postponed the workshops. How we do it in two weeks, three weeks, because everything will go away. And then after a while, you realize, hey, it is not going away. So gradually we adapted, right? So it was, uh, we became more efficient in working remotely. We become better at collaborating. We learned how to use to, uh, to have efficient team meetings without interrupting each other and using the hand function like we have here today. Um, so it, it, it started to work. But was it optimal? Not really. And as we are now starting to travel again, as Carl said, now all of a sudden, you know, we are allowed to be in the office and we get all the energy and we're allowed to travel a little bit more. So these, uh, you know, uh, very uh, intense two, three days workshop where you have people from different teams gathering together and, you know, working on a whiteboard. Well, you you realize how important they are and how you know they can accelerate certain decisions uh, drastically instead of you know having one hour teams because nobody's really able to stay three four hours on teams and and having a workshop you know this is very difficult so and I think that you know today if answering the question I think that we realize yes we are able to work efficiently uh, using uh, remote tools. But at the same time, we probably need to find a good balance between working remotely and working together. And, you know, we can see this also in some of the employee uh, surveys that there are people who ask, hey, we would like to be able to work fully remote. So the mentality has changed a little bit, has changed from uh, from a leadership point of view. It has changed in the mind of the people because people right now relearn that it is possible to work remotely. So I think a good, uh, you know, a good combination, a good combo is important there. So a little bit more flexibility, use online tools efficiently, but still, you know, don't uh, completely remove the possibility to meet up and, and, and travel, especially if you distribute the team because there's so much value. Also, you know, just going out for a pizza or a beer. Uh, I work a lot with Italians, so pizza and beer are super important. It, you know, gives a, a really a boost in, in, in team harmony, actually. Yeah, just um, uh, playing back what you both said there, um, Marco, uh, as a comment you said as well, we um, we measured a couple of metrics um, once the pandemic uh, struck um, at the previous employer of mine. And what uh, what happened was that we, we saw a surprising increase in effect effectiveness and we saw it was fairly easy to to have these video meetings and to have a lot of rituals still operating. Surprisingly easy, actually. Um, and productivity didn't didn't go down. You could argue it went up, but it's hard to measure exactly. However, what we also measured was that our uh, ENPS score, the how how um, our employees uh, value the company, was decreasing. Even though that we were more productive, people were happy that they could work from home, but it was still less and less happy about being co-workers at the company, which might not be so surprising. I mean, what you said before, I mean, if you don't meet people face to face and do things together, you kind of lose a little bit of that, a little bit of out of sight, out of mind concept, maybe. Um, but it was that was interesting and, and a little bit disturbing. And uh, whatever we say here, I guess is. I think maybe something you said, Carl, could tie into this is, I mean, if you have a small team, they could have those agreements and rituals. They can perhaps transform them from the in real life thing to the digital world. But I think it's much more complicated to do that when you depend on things between teams. 
But though the, those dependencies between teams might not be so obvious, it might not be obvious to management because they, it maybe doesn't map perfectly to the system architecture, maybe doesn't map perfectly to the organization because team will have dependencies, which is not just functional. It will be single people depending on other people for help support, where it might be. And those things probably isn't as easy. That's my my assumption, at least, because I see the same pattern. Either way, it comes down to some, some kind of leadership question. Uh, if we ever are supposed to be valuable, we must be now setting some kind of guidance, like how we're supposed to work. People want to work remotely. People want to work in the office. How do we, how do we merge those um, fairly incompatible demands? And I don't have the answer, but maybe one of you do. Two things really, sort of, to just pull up on a bit, but but I agree. I mean, it's probably about building sort of relationship. It, it's interesting to hear that uh, you know people felt sort of less connected to the company or less sort of appreciated. And and of course, I mean, it is probably about sort of building relationships to relationship to the brand and to to the company, but also to the coworkers. And that's that's why I think. I mean, to to go full remotely, like uh, sort of we did. During the pandemic, uh, I don't think that's the, <laughs> the future really, and and it uh, needs to go back. But of course, the the thing that has really sort of made things more efficient is a, is that we can avoid those unnecessary sort of meetings. Even I mean, a lot of even if you take meetings in in Stockholm nowadays, I mean, many of those are on team, which saves I mean travel time and and you can be more efficient in the office as well. And and uh, uh, people are, I mean they've gotten used to taking sales meetings uh, or whatever uh on on teams for example which is uh, which is fantastic i mean that that's a huge improvement and and you know probably the most <laughs> sort of efficient thing that has uh, happened in, in many years is there another back yes machine anything that you'd like to add on for this yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with a lot of you, most of with, with what you guys have said so far around um, <laughs> the inputs around it. And I can just add something as well. This is really primarily based on experience I have, of course, and what I have noticed so far. Um, I, I do think that the hybrid way of working um, is, is, is a good thing. It's something that we have realized and I imagine a lot of companies who are been more a, a bit against it before for being the having the employee uh, be giving the flexibility to employees where they can actually at some few days or some of the days in the week work from home and now after the because of what happened in the COVID times they would they would have actually realized that it does work people can actually perform their tasks where even though they are not in the office but uh, I do agree that maybe going full remote is a bit <laughs> over the top and it's a bit hard because it, it's going to touch on my next topic uh, but um, but I because I, I really think that uh, that um, that the collaboration that you could have face to face is very, very different to when you do it remotely and just talk in, in videos or having a call. It's very different when you can be in the same room and just talk to each other. I think it would be quite interesting to hear if someone has come up with a magic formula because I think we uh, basically uh, copied the uh, 
I think it was Google's uh, policy on on how to work post pandemic, and uh, uh, you know you can you can work two days uh, from home a week, but uh, you have to sort of coordinate that with your with your team. And um, to be honest, I mean it has worked so so, and it's uh, it's been tricky. And, um, but but it would be interesting to hear if someone has come up with a with a good way of uh, sort of doing that. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Uh, I, I I don't have a good answer whatsoever, but I think um, I, and I like the two three hybrid model myself. It's very nice for my personal life and balance and everything, right? Um, but it might come down to what we talked about before is that then you have to have agreements between teams. If you have a large organization, say 50, 100 people and up, um, when are you supposed to meet and who's supposed to meet? And when you go into the office, the, the nature of the meetings change, right? Because if everybody's in the office, you want to use the meeting rooms. But do you want an office now which is so big that you can fit everybody those days and, and so empty <laughs> when not everybody's in? I'm not talking about the financial reason. I'm talking about how it feels like to come into an empty office certain days. That's that's a very hollow feeling, I think. So I don't absolutely don't have a solution. I, what I believe, I think many companies would benefit from choosing, from being, for example, let's say take, take the brave statement saying we don't do three two three hybrid. We do in the office only. Now, twenty twenty five percent of the employees would probably leave within a year or two. But you would attract people who want to be in the office four or five days a week as well. So that could be a trade-off worth making for certain companies. Um, not sure oh, I want to be the one to first try that, but uh, maybe someone else wants to be first. How about you, Marco? Well, you know, what we introduced post-pandemic is basically what we call 60-40 rules. So basically say that you should be in the office at least 60% of the time and uh, you can work from home up to 40% of time. And of course, in our case, there is this, um, you know, being in uh, a multinational company, we try to set up policies that can actually be deployed everywhere because you, you do actually have in some countries uh, limitations in the local labor uh, uh, legislations that force you to do certain things or to even, you know, contractually determine whether people are allowed to work from home. So that's, of course, an additional complication. Um, and again, you know, working all from the office at the same time, we, we have distributed teams. We have teams in some cases the, that span across two, uh, two locations. Um, so, for instance, Sweden and Italy. Um, and yes, they have to meet sometimes. So a little bit, you know, re reference to what I mentioned before about we need to allow teams to meet up. Uh, but uh, I think that we, we learned that we we are able to communicate efficiently and to reach our goals also without you know having to fight in front of a whiteboard every day so i think it's a little bit there's a little bit more of the of the discipline and also maybe a little bit more of a structure so one of the things for instance that we're trying to do is the introduction of okr so objectives and key results and basically you have a framework of this is what we want to achieve this is how we want to measure it and then all of a sudden, you know that as long as you keep yourself without the, without within those boundaries, hopefully you have a you know a good chance that you're building the same things. 
Amazing. And Carl, you had something similar, didn't you, to um, Daniel? What was your question? And I think, I think it's very similar. I think it's more or less the how do you build effective teams when more and more people are getting used to working remotely? So, so I think mm -hmm. it's <laughs> really <laughs> the same same topic. But uh, uh, but but I also think it's, uh, it's um, not a big surprise that we have similar topics here because I think this is what is on everyone's mind at the moment. And uh, it's um, and and I think everyone is all companies are struggling a bit with this. It's uh, unless you are fully remotely or fully <laughs> sort of in office companies, uh, everyone else is um, is struggling with it. So it's, uh, and, and again, I think it's interesting to discuss because I don't think anyone has the, the sort of the final the sort of good solution for it yet. So it's, um, um, but we'll see, it's, um, it's probably gonna sort of uh, pan itself out over, over the coming years when, when uh, you know, people get more used to it. Marco, yeah, you know, uh, I, I was thinking about, uh, you know, a couple of things. One was, of course, what I started to touch upon before, you know, to have uh, a set of objectives and, you know, OKRs to make sure that even if you work remotely, you know what your purpose is, you know, uh, uh, what you're going to build, uh, you know, your objective in your case. So that's that's one aspect. But then, you know, another consideration I, I have is at the same time, it is good to have a structure. Meaning that you know, if you have a team that is uh, uh, co-located in the same space, you may not need to have you know you may have a few meetings here and there. Then people uh, maybe uh, sit at desks close to them, and then they talk about what needs to be solved, and that's it. But then, if you have a, a remote team, then you probably need to have much more structures in terms of you know daily Scrum meetings. You need to have uh, probably a, a structure as how you uh, manage your backlog. You need to have a structure as about how often you do retros and how you manage those retros, because then all of a sudden you create a sort of, it's a safety net in the end, right? It's a way that, hey, if I need to tell something, someone, or if I need to say that something is not working, well, I know there is a daily meeting tomorrow and I just take that occasion. So I write it on a piece of paper and I discuss it tomorrow. Or if there's something that I thought, it didn't really work well in this sprint, but I know. Well, I know there's a going to be a retro in two weeks or in ten days where I can, where we are going to discuss about this. So I think this creates, you know, a number of possibilities where people know that hey, I don't have to worry about forgetting something. I know there's a structure around me that allows me to take all these topics up. They're going to be discussed, addressed, and and then a decision will be taken. So I think that's you know structure. Common goals, purpose is important for being able, sort of like preconditions for being able to work remotely, in my opinion. Yeah, to to I think I agree with you, Marco. Um, to to just um, argue from a different standpoint, because I, I agree with the structures. I think structures are very important, especially when things are less um the way they used to be and things are changing and and the people have different uh, ways of and different different situations like everybody doesn't have the equal opportunity to work from home not everybody has their own workroom some have uh, little things um kids or cats uh, that, that that impact your work like life balance and and how to do things but i was thinking like you could you could do the other way around rather than having all these rituals you could um Create, recreate the connection of being in office. 
uh, we did that this at um, a company educating developers where we had one iteration of the course physical everybody sat working in small teams the entire course through for 13 weeks know each other working 8 10 12 hours a day now when we took that digital because of covid we recreated the same situation by putting them into uh, video group chats in uh, discord so they were still spending their time together even though they were apart so they were in that chat for the entire day except for the pauses now they didn't talk all that time but it was always available and if someone said something it could be a grunt or a cry for help or a eureka i solved it then everybody kind of pulled together very very quickly and we could observe this because we we joined those those chats every now and then to kind of assist or or maybe throw wrench in this in the, in the works or something um and i'm not sure it would work long term in the big picture of things but i am a little bit inclined to give it a try um because it worked really well for 13 weeks and the result was astonishing in that little controlled experiment um, there are a couple of hands up here to say things, but I'm not sure which order. Luxie, could you help uh, me out here? Yeah, Christina, you have something to say. Yeah, I can add on that. That's actually very interesting, Daniel, because uh, I think a few weeks ago in in my company we did we did try that because we are we are um, we we do have of course teams for for having our stand-ups so in our team in our specific team we do have dailies and we we recently connected our meeting to one of our monitor in a room and we we just said like yeah if you if you want to pop up, pop by just call in and then like you can just say hi and of course if you if you need help just pop up and say yeah you need help it is very interesting and and i do think that as you said it's 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 probably fun and good to have just to, to create that sense of belongingness and that you're not just alone working at home and that you also still have your whole team with you, even though it's not physically, but still emotionally, they are there when they can just pop up and call in. Um, but as you said, it, it could have a, a weird result as well, wherein you think like you get uh, you get um, surprised when just somebody said hi and like I have a question when when you don't have that 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 meeting. Uh, active in in the monitor in this case for for our case but on top of that i think it's something that as uh, marcus touched on as well like uh, being being a the the ability of having some structure when you are working remotely i think that's that's also that is indeed good to have because i'm quite a structured person myself so it's it's really good for me to know what is going to be the action points so what's going to happen and in, in the, what are the things that the team needs to follow up on but i think the only the only consideration i could think of around it or at least to just challenge it as well as daniel mentioned is when you go too much of it when there's too much on the process that the 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 teammates or the team that will work together or get so choked up because there's so many to do's that you're not following up on and i guess that's where retro retrospective for example does help especially if you have few of them and just just make sure that you you continuously act on it and just not it becomes a list of many to do's in this case. I think, so I think it's probably quite important to make a distinction also between different departments in a company because my my feeling is that it works very well for tech or development teams to to work remotely and they have sort of good ways of interacting and um, or, or maybe more tech savvy <laughs> so that they handle 
uh, sort of uh, you know they handle it better in one sense. But but I think for for a sales or marketing team, uh, it might be more difficult to because then then you probably I don't know you, you need to sort of interact more with your colleagues. It's uh, uh, it's it's more difficult to to do that from home. And it I feel that it is it, it's a clear distinction. And you also sort of I also get the feeling that. Uh, the sales and marketing guys are more keen to be in the to be in the office, and and uh, the tech and development guys are more sort of happy to work uh, work remotely. So, so I think it's important to make a distinction when um, when discussing this, and 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 maybe I mean maybe it's worth uh, you know having different uh, setups for for different departments in the company, but but also then then again you miss that important interaction between departments which. Will lead to sort of maybe less efficient uh, business development. So, so I think especially when you when you have a rather small company, it's uh, I think that is crucial to to really push things forward to to have that interaction. Amazing. And finally, Tina, your question. Yeah, that's actually a really segue, a good segue from what Carlos has touched up on, because uh, my topic is, uh, or at least my subtopic for building an effective team is actually around collaboration. <laughs> and um, for me as a, as a product manager, I, I really I really value collaboration a lot because um, as you may guys know, we are in middle of everything. We are kind of like the... That's that uh, web or that, that glue that binds departments together. We talk to collaborate to stakeholders a lot, so it's 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 really really important on on the way we perform our work, I would say. And um, yeah, so it's 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 as I mentioned, it's very important uh, for us to have this collaboration to be able to understand people's problem and clarifying information, of course. And um, and I, I think that um, in an in an effective team is where it's very important to have this in place and and something that um, to to be uh, strong up on is something that you you would you should be strong on and to to be able to just yeah brainstorm pass on it just just um, share ideas together and being and and I think it also helps with be with having a more diverse teams uh, when when you are when there's collaboration in the workplace as well. And yeah, so touching touching up on my question is basically like, uh, what are what are the ways one team can adapt to to improve collaboration? Since as I mentioned, it's it's quite important. So it's it's quite good to understand what can the company do to actually improve this, in in this case. Um, and I I would list list them down. Um, based on what I have experienced myself and also what I have read on, of course. And then, yeah, it, it would be really interesting to get to hear your thoughts as well after I list down some of the things that I think are the ways that can improve collaboration in the company. Um, so one thing is that, that I could think of is to be able to to actually have um, different teams talk to each other on collaborate and brainstorm ideas is perhaps being able to or introduce in a company some ways to engage and have um, some kind of team building and activities perhaps because that's when you that's this is the one of the best way basically to build a relationship together and being able to maybe also fix old relationship as well and then have that uh, camaraderie together in the company 
And the other things I could think of is being able to streamline the process. So if you have some process around the company to break down the company silos, basically, so wherein you you don't have a hierarchy and being able to uh, just reach out to each other. I think it's very common in, in maybe in Sweden companies, uh, this, for example, wherein there's no hierarchy, it's quite a flat structure, everyone could just hop on and go to another department, for example, to discuss things together. Um, the other ways uh, I would also list down is uh, being able to transparent, basically trans improve transparency in the organization, or being able to share details to the team and giving credit where credit is due, because I think that also uh, improve uh, the, the way that you collaborate so you know that you can speak up your mind basically uh, knowing that you won't be able that you would be able to <laughs> acknowledge for what you shared for it as well and and then being able to to also share the or define expectations in the in the company and another things that i i could think of um to improve um, collaboration in, in an organization is, of course, uh, try to have um, maybe some, it, it, we, we might have touched it a bit a while ago as well, like have some uh, collaboration tool basically uh, for, for the team. And also I would imagine that you can extend it through other departments as well, wherein everyone would be able to share files with, uh, to each other, being able to edit it together and just share documents with each other or also improve the engagement together using uh, some of the software or platform that you could you could use together in in the team and of course having fun right it's, it's very important to, to just uh, have that uh, engagement in the organization and and then um, promote the ways to to for 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 the employees to have fun and be able to be relaxed with each other and then and explore the, the, the options of being able to collaborate with each other. What are your guys take on on it? Should we start with Daniel? I guess. Uh, I, I think Carl has been uh, thinking about something for a while here. He was first up with his hand. Maybe you want to start. Sure. Now, but I was thinking uh, because it is, of course, difficult. But what we do quite a lot is to have uh, both sort of uh, development guys and and data analysts sit in in sales meetings. And this, of course, one of the advantages of uh, uh, of team uh, or online meetings or teams meetings that you can actually have people just sitting in. They don't necessarily need to participate in the meeting, but they can just listen in and and hear. You know, the actual problems or issues or uh, you know uh, needs of uh, our partners or our end customers and I think that's a great way to get sort of a collaboration going and then then I think also setting up sort of cross departmental teams to to really have uh, uh, you know teams that consist not only of uh, of developers for example or only data analysts but you you do get your your sales and marketing people into that because then, then you know you will ultimately get a better product in the end. Where when you have uh, the possibility to actually, because it's dangerous to just sort of develop for the sake of <laughs> developing. You, you need to develop sort of in the right direction and really sort of pinpoint something. And then you probably need the sort of more 
product guys in in those teams as well to to or the, the ones who are sort of out there in the market and and speaking to people to know what's um uh you know what the end result of the development should be the, the, those are my sort of takes on on that yeah i can jump in here as well um first of all thanks for a great question uh tina um I think um, collaboration and communication are, are the fundamental things which we can build organizations on. If we don't have that, then the structures typically don't have much value. Um, I also think that the PM role, if that's what the organization has, is one of those key things to achieve it. Um, I remember, I remember, not, I remember not that long ago when I didn't really understand the difference between all these different PMP, OPL things properly, and a book which helped me. Um, Instead of it better was the empowered by Martin Kagan and Chris Jones, uh, where we're basically describing a superhuman that could do everything. Now, I think that is one solution. Put a superhuman to help the team and teams collaborate and solve everything. Now, that doesn't necessarily make themselves sufficient. They don't own their own solutions, so to say, but it, it will increase the collaboration and, and could encourage brainstorming. And then maybe that's a fair trade-off. Maybe the team doesn't need to have everything inherently in the team. Maybe it's okay that there is someone external that keeps helping and poking and facilitating and coaching. Um, so I, I think that could be one solution. Otherwise, what Carl was saying, um, I mean, just connect people change things up a bit, um, make people think about things differently. If you keep doing the same thing as you've done before, arguably nothing is going to change. So if you want a different result, try something different. And you can introduce that change any way you want. And I don't necessarily think it matters what it is. But I would, for example, try to initiate some kind of brainstorming where you connect people from different departments that have to solve something together. And if that is successful, that will be the seed that makes people think about, oh, we could do this. I wonder what else we could do if we got the time to do it, and they may might ask for it or create it or whatever. And also, I have this just one thing I absolutely love with, uh, with the way we changed our way of working with um, uh, during the pandemic. Um, is the, the, the improvement of all the collaboration tools. And one of my favorite tools is Miro. Um, I, I love using whiteboards before because I like drawing things and thinking about them when I visualize them. And I realized now when I've been forced to use it for many, many hundreds of hours is that Miro is better than the real thing. It is a brilliant collaboration tool. Um, and we, we're using it almost across the entire company here right now uh, at B24. And it's a nice way to to bridge those connections and help people do the brainstorming session. So it just, uh, I'm not going to get any commission from Myra, by the way, but it's a brilliant product and you should buy it. If you haven't already, uh, then it's your loss. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I had to add to the topic anyway. Marco. Yeah. yeah, a couple of thoughts. So one, of course, is when it comes to collaboration, you know, there's collaboration within the team, then it's sort of collaboration between teams. And then, of course, uh, you know, between teams belonging to different uh, organizations. So, you know, depending on what problem you try to solve, you may end up uh, uh, with different solutions. 
But one of the things that we are trying to do is to create uh, multifunctional teams, which is a little bit, you know, what Carl was uh, uh, hinting at, right? The, the, two, and the idea is and to create multifunctional team, not just from a point of view, from, you know, from the engineering point of view to have, uh, you know, front-end developers, back-end developers, uh, firmware developers to some extent, but also across functions. So we always have a product owner in each of the teams and we have design in each of the teams, at least for those teams that do have um, uh, consumer facing uh, interfaces, you know, to make sure that all people work in the same team. And, and automatically this actually uh, is supposed to foster collaboration within the team, but also to reduce a little bit the need to uh, synchronize with other teams. So all of a sudden you don't have to collaborate so much with other teams as you used before. So, you know, you address this aspect a little bit. Uh, and then you need to define clear interfaces, how they, you know, where are the touch points. But when it comes to collaboration uh, between teams, I think that, uh, you know, a fundamental ingredient is, is really culture. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's about, you know, creating a culture of collaboration, a culture of no blame, and a culture where the teams are not supposed to work against each other, but supposed to work together with each, with each other. And, you know, I see this, you know, having, working with, um, team spread across the globe, basically. So uh, you realize that there are slight differences in, in how well that works. In some cases, it works quite well. In other cases, we see that we have teams that tend to be sort of self-isolated and then they blame other teams. And I think this is very often, it's a cultural aspect, but I think it is um, also a management problem. It's a leadership problem. You know, I think that this is one of these typical situations where you have, you know, leaders saying, oh, those teams are not doing their work. And I think this is sort of evil circle that needs to be broken. Uh, because otherwise, you know, if if, if leadership and, and the managers don't give the good example, don't, not role model, you will never end, exit that sort of, of evil circle. Um, and now I see Christina has a has a hand raised as well. Yeah, it's it's really just to uh, to add on to what you guys have said, um, basically Daniel and Marco, because it's really in, in pointing out things that I was uh, coming coming up from from the product management point of view. So the first part is basically because because the the company really have to support it to be able to have a collabor collaborative mindset. Because as you said, product manager can actually be the bridge to be able to collaborate with the twin departments. But there has to be that culture as well in the company to actually understand the importance of it because it make it life easier for that person who actually tried to connect all the all the stakeholders in this case. So it's really important to have that culture in the company and uh, you touch it uh, also Marco because it helps the it helps to have this basically openness and collaboration transparently in the company if there's no blame culture it's very important because if you have that and, and you tell your if you, you tell your your employees that they ask you said a leadership assess that you if you speak your mind and just be open and just talk to each other and try to to re reach a common goal you're not going to be blamed for it <laughs> if there's that trust I think then it's it's really going to be a kind of like a, a nice thing to have in an in an in an organization.
Amazing. And we'll leave it there. This has been the Evolution Exchange Podcast. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you all um, for participating. Carl, Daniel, Marco and Tina for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email. Luxia at evolutionnordics.com. See you next time.